so we've been looking at uh, Paul's letter to the Philippians. Um, as you recall, you know, uh, he's on house arrest. He's in prison there in Rome around 62 AD. Um, Philippi, it's actually about 800 miles away, and so um, they um, um, he's sending a letter back to them, and it's a it's a letter. It's called the Epistle of Joy because we know that I think it's mentioned 14 times. The word joy is mentioned over and over again, and four short chapters. And so we um, we've been studying, and we come to the conclusion this part of the, the sermon series. And so I wanted to share with you all um, this week because you come to the fourth chapter, and it really the focus is really more about about being grateful. And Paul um, sending this message, it's not only about being joyful in adversity because, you know, he's in prison, but also just being grateful for the church he started and them being grateful for him. And so I, I got this interesting text, you know, yesterday was a very somber day. And so this is how my day, um, you know, I got up and did my jog and then I te- looked at my phone. And, and so I got this text from one of my friends this um, yesterday morning and um, it was her birthday. And so um, she shared with me, she says, you know, good morning, Pastor Harold. Um, I just wanted to share with you that today is my and my twins brother's birthday. Now, it's hard to believe that it's, uh, it's been 20 years already since the 9-11 attack that forever changed, well, changed how I looked at my birthday. It's always bittersweet. It's a bittersweet day for us. It's hard to celebrate when on this day 20 years ago, so many innocent people lost their lives. And then she says, you know, on the other other hand, I'm just happy and grateful to be alive another year. And I thought that was a really interesting way of, um, actually, I thought it was an interesting way to start my day, but it was powerful to me to think about the word bittersweet. And I thought, you know, bittersweet, it was a bittersweet day for her because it was her birthday, but it was also a very powerful. And I think that as I think about the Apostle Paul, bittersweet is actually a very good way describing these four chapters that he's, this letter that he's written back to Philippi, because it really is a bittersweet time for him because he doesn't know if he's going to live or he's going to die. Matter of fact, you know, the, the emperor kind of holds his fate in his hands. He doesn't know. Matter of fact, he even says, you know, he says, I can find joy in knowing that I'm going to live. But I also can find joy if I know that I'm going to end up dying. Because I know that um, I can find do- joy in everlasting life with Jesus Christ. He literally says that. And I've talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And that's where Paul is coming from. So I think bittersweet um, is actually a, a pretty powerful image that we find and the, from the Apostle Paul. Uh, I was watching yesterday, and many of you all maybe watched yesterday morning, the, um, all the different um, perspectives and people getting up and they were sharing, they're reading the names of the people who were lost, the 3,000 over plus people who died uh, 20 years ago. And it was such a powerful, somber time to watch that. It was very reverent. And, and, and there was, um, so the, the people would get up and they would read a group of names and then they, you'd see the picture on the screen and then you'd see the name flash up on the screen and then it was pretty you know quickly they were kind of moving through and then um, whoever was speaking um, for those maybe 10 15 20 names that they're reading then they got to the end and they would take about one minute and share because they were speaking on behalf of their loved one the one who had died and, and I happened to be watching as this kind of was unrolling and this one got my attention I, I don't remember exactly who the person was but the person was talking about this person that lost their life, their mantra in life. And this is what uh, she said about the person who died. Life is not measured by the number of breaths we take, 
but by the moments that take our breath away. And I thought, man, that is really powerful. The moments that take our breath away. Uh, so uh, we find um, in our text today, um, I-, I love this text, and, and, and once again, Paul, and the f- we get to the fourth chapter, and he is not only finding joy in the midst of his adversity, but he's actually just, once again, pointing towards being grateful and thanking the church at, back in Philippi. This is what he says, rejoice in the Lord always, again I say rejoice, let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near, Paul says. Hey, don't, do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God, amen. So Paul ends up in prison. I, you know, I love it because you go back to look in the book of Acts and I love, Paul is really labeled, uh, he's a troublemaker. That's why he ends up in prison, right? Matter of fact, he's actually, I, I didn't realize this, but he's actually called a pest. It says this in the book of Acts, the 24th chapter. We have, in fact, found this man a, a pestilence. Uh, fellow, a, an agitator among all the Jews throughout the world, and, and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. He even tried to profane, profane the temple, and so we seized him. So Paul is one of those perceived as a troublemaker. He was a pest. And he's in prison, all the way back in, in Rome. And so what we find in the story that we find in Philippine, um, uh, we find that they, they send this messenger, Ephroditus, um, and, and he really travels 800 miles and he comes with a care package. I, you know, I remember going to college and I remember getting a care package and I remember, uh, you know, going to my mailbox and always hoping that I might get a letter from somebody. Um, you know, of course, this is before texting and emails and all that, but, uh, you know, so I go to my mailbox and half the time it was uh, empty, but every once in a while I get a care package, right? And I get something from my mom or my dad or somebody. And I remember how excited I was. So Paul is literally getting a, pair, a, a care package. It said it, so probably maybe some money, maybe uh, maybe some food or some blankets. Uh, so they they send this this message of hope back through Ephroditus, and, and so he's traveled. As a matter of fact, we find it probably took him about six weeks. You're talking about going the extra mile, six weeks to actually get there to be able to deliver this package. We know that he got, actually got very very sick. As a matter of fact, they thought he was actually going to die, and and so he gets nursed back to health, and Paul sends him back the 800 miles back to Philippi with this particular letter. And, and what we find here, what's very interesting is that it becomes evidently, this is a pattern for this particular church. Out of all the churches that really love Paul, the church at Philippi evidently just it was endeared to him. Matter of fact, Paul even talks about it. He says, hey, listen, I want you to realize that you're the only church that gave me any help. And so, once again, over and over again, there's this pattern with the church at Philippi, the sending back and making sure that Paul knows that he's accepted and he's loved and he's appreciated. And they're the only church that did that. I, I love this, um, Paul, for the Philippians, the fourth chapter. It says, you know, I have, Paul, this is Paul talking. He says, I have everything I need. I, I even have more than I need. I have all I need because Ephroditus brought your gift to me. Your gift is like a sweet smelling sacrifice, Paul, uh, offered to God. God accepts that sacrifice and it pleases him. 
And so I was thinking about this this week because um, three little points that I want to share with you today. And here's the first one. You know, even in the midst of our adversity that we're going through, um, Paul says, listen, you can still find joy and we should be grateful to the people in our lives that have continued to bless us. And so, I, I, it's because, once again, you go to the fourth chapter of the book of Philippi, and this is exactly what Paul's doing. So he talks about all this joy, but he's also, the fourth chapter has everything to do with being grateful and, and honoring those who, once again, love him. I, I love this, uh, I was reading Margaret Wheatley, a book from her this last week, and this is how she put it about appreciating the ones who we should be thankful for. Who are the people in your life that you depend on as ground and support for your life. I mean, who do you really appreciate in your life? And are you thinking them? I, I love this quote from John Maxwell. I love uh, Maxwell's quotes. He says, people may hear your words, but they feel your attitude. And, and so I was thinking about, you know, Paul was pouring out his heart and he, and he, and he has this deep sense of appreciation for this, his church. And, and, and so they're feeling his love and, and he feels their love and he feels their attitude. You know, attitude versus, you know, once again, attitude leads to gratitude. But it also, I love this t-shirt. I'm not arguing. I'm just trying to explain all the reasons why I'm right. I love that t-shirt. And so we get that. So on a scale of one to five, what, where are you on the, on the gratitude meter, right? About appreciating this is a pattern to your life because the church at Philippi, this was a pattern to their life of being grateful for Paul. And Paul is sending back this message and saying thank you and being grateful for them. And so who are the people that we're most grateful for? So I was reading this, once again, there's a quote from Maxwell this last week and I thought it was actually very good. He says, who brings out the best in you? Question number one. Number two, who are you grateful for? Number three, have you ever made a list of the people that you really appreciate? And, and so, I, you know, I never had, I don't know if I've ever done that. I just made a list of people who I'm just like the people that I'm most grateful for. And then he goes on and says, hey, once you have done that, made your list, it would be difficult for you to forget all the people who have helped you get where you are today because it lives with you and within you. It lives with you because of the things people have done with you. It lives within you because of the way it sustains you. And it can inspire you to get outside yourself and put others first, just as others have often put you first. And then I started thinking about that quote this last week and I started reflecting upon it because I'm a numbers guy, right? I, I always, I'm always kind of running numbers. Ahead. So I went back and I realized there's 16 weeks left to the end of the year, 16 weeks. And so we have 22, around 2,200 people that are watching or in live in person today um, watching. So I, if you had 16 weeks left and you wrote one thank you or, or thank somebody over the next 16 weeks. Do you realize how many people that we would impact? Uh, that's 35,200 thank yous. I ran the numbers. And, and so can you imagine the possible impact if everybody would just take, I would call this the Herald Challenge, the Herald Thank You Challenge. For the next 16 weeks, you pick out one person each week. It could be, maybe it's the person that's your waitress or maybe it's the person that cleans your pool or it's maybe the person that takes the, that picks up your garbage. I, I don't know, but think of someone in your life that helps you, supports you. Maybe it's one of those kind of unsung heroes in your life that you just took the time to think about them and to thank them over the next 16 weeks. 
I mean, can you imagine the impact that we have of 35,200 thank yous to the end of the year? I like that idea, actually. I'm willing to do it. Are you? So I was thinking about this this last week about thank yous. And I, I love this because um, this, this text, I, I wrote this, this um, tagline for this particular part of the scripture that we find from Philippians. It's about thanking, thank you for putting me first. And so this is what Paul says. He says, I, I'm telling you this, because not, but not because I need something. I don't need anything. I, I have learned to be satisfied with what I have and whatever happens. I know how to live when I'm poor and I know when I, how to live when I have plenty. I've learned the secret of how to live through any kind of situation when I have enough to eat or when I'm hungry, when I have everything I need or even when I have nothing. Christ is the only one who gives me the strength I need to do whatever I must do. But it was awfully good that you helped me when I needed help. Paul, do you hear that? Thank you. Gosh, it was so good that you were there for me when I needed help. I, I love what um, uh, Charles Spurgeon wrote. He says, you know, we are in the wrong state of mind if we are not in the thankful state of mind. So um, I found this commercial this last week. Actually, I was watching it, and the, the um, I, I couldn't find it online, this particular one, but I, I love Chick-fil-A. Does anybody like Chick-fil-A besides me? I wish they'd put a Chick-fil-A down the street. I just really wish that. So it's all the way on the other side, but I love going to Chick-fil-A. And, and so they have some really interesting commercials, and usually they're more uplifting. And so I learned that I actually saw this commercial, but I um, but it, it's not out on YouTube, so I couldn't show it to you. But this is, let me describe it. So there's this girl who lives in Wisconsin, and she has um, one of her best friends who also works with her. She's only 17. Well, evidently, she won a car. Now, she, But the problem is she had just bought a car. And so she's making payments on these cars. So she, now she has two cars. And so her little friend who works with her, I think she's 19. This is Wisconsin. She has to ride a bike to work in Wisconsin in the winter. Okay. So what's her friend? What's she do? She gives her the car that she just won. She's willing to continue to make the car payments on her car, and she just gifts the car to her friend in order that, well, because she puts her first. I thought that was a great story. And that was actually a Chick-fil-A commercial, so we look for that. This is another Chick-fil-A commercial that I thought was really intriguing. It's about a professor who was actually moving. So take a listen. Isn't that great from Idaho? Isn't that great? I love that commercial. And what I loved about it, it was that both the ones who received and in, in, in all that midst of that, Dr. Hunt received a blessing from the Chick-fil-A people who threw this little party for him. And he's actually had tears in his eyes. And he comes back and reciprocates and brings in some potatoes. And so isn't that great about, once again, about life and just being grateful? Who are we grateful for in our life? I love this quote from Zig Ziglar. He says, you know, be grateful for what you have and stop complaining. It bores everybody else, does you no good, and doesn't solve any problems. Can I amen on that? Did you realize the word, uh, I didn't realize this last week, so let me just teach for a second. So the, the word grace is really an important word, not only in our Wesleyan tradition, because, you know, we weigh heavily down because we have prevenient grace, justifying grace, sanctifying grace. And, and, and so this the theme of grace just runs through who we are as Wesleyans and as part of the United Methodist Church. But the literal translation of the word grace, it's interesting because the word is in grace in the Greek, it's, it's called kara. It's spelled uh, C-H-A-R or X-A-R-A. And, and, and so the word grace, the root of the word grace is connected to the word gratitude. 
And if you go back to the root of the word gratitude, guess what it's connected to? The word thanksgiving. So grace, gratitude, thanksgiving are all intimately woven together. And so when we look at this, this great piece of scripture that we find from the Apostle Paul, Paul is saying, listen, be thinking about who, who should we really be thanking in our lives? And the first part of my message today is just think about all the people who have blessed you in your life and can we just take some time and just thank them? You know, one of my friends who um, came to me 10 years ago when I first had just been here maybe for a couple of months and he says, you know, Harold, I, I just want to give you a little advice and I well, I didn't actually ask for the advice, but I knew he was going to give it to me anyway. You know how that goes. And so um, he said, I, I got a little advice for you. And I said, okay, what is your advice? And so the first thing he says to me, he says, you know, Harold, I, you need to continue to pa- preach the gospel passionately. I said, I can do that. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty passionate about that and I can do that. So I said, okay, I can do that. And then the second thing he says, make sure you watch the money. In other words, he was saying, listen, make sure you go to every finance committee meeting because you need to know what's going on in the life of a church as far as finance. And I said, I can do that. I totally understand. I get that. And the third thing he said, make sure you stay humble. And, and so I have my, here, here's what I, uh, in order to continue to keep me grounded and humble in my life, here's what I've got. I want you to know that Pastor Marilyn, she is so gracious to me. Every time over the last 10 years, she's been, my, been our liturgist here. She always, always, always writes me a note. It's either stuck in my Bible or it's underneath there in the chair. Or it's over here in this little room off to the side. And she's stuck it in the envelope over here. And it always, she folds it up and she writes Harold on it. And every single time she always writes some kind of her words of encouragement to me. She thanks me for the message. She gleans something from the message. And she writes it down and says, Pastor Harold, thank you so much for the message. And so she's got this gift of encouragement. That's just one of her spiritual gifts. I am so grateful for that. And it makes me feel good. And I'm uplifted. I feel good about that when I'm walking out the door. And then I also have, at my desk, I have a pile of those who are the opposite of that. I've got those too, right? I got the ones that I feel like, oh my gosh, they I completely blew it. And you just said something in your sermon that really wasn't politically correct or something was just didn't resonate to me. Or they honed in on one word that I said that really maybe they took it out of context. And so I have this pile which is full of encouragement, but I also have this other pile that I keep in my desk that once again continues to humble me, keep me grounded in life. And so when I think about this, you know, when you think about life, are we encouraging or discouraging? I love this, I love this quote when it, from Oscar, Oscar Wilde. He said, you know, if you don't get everything you want, think of the things you don't get that you don't want. Let that set in for a second, right? This last week in my sermon preparation, I, I stumbled upon this, this thank you note, and uh, I thought it was actually very, very powerful. Matter of fact, I got a picture of it. Here's a picture. It's from Ronald Reagan. Um, he wrote it on November 5th, 1994, and it was just when he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And you all might remember this when this came out. I remember, actually, I remember the local news, and I remember when they actually read this, and they talked about him being diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And, um, and so him, he actually sewed down and wrote, hand wrote, you saw a picture of the original letter. And so this is what he said, and I think it was very powerful. He says, my fellow Americans, I have recently been told that I am one of the millions of Americans who feel will be afflicted with Alzheimer's. Upon learning this news, Nancy and I had decided whether as a private citizens we would keep this a private matter or whether we would just make the news known in a public way. 
So now we feel it's important to share it with you. And opening our hearts, we hope this might promote great awareness of this condition. Perhaps it will encourage a clear understanding of the individuals and families who are also afflicted by it. And then he goes on, and this is his closing statement. He said, you know, in closing, let me just thank you. So this is Ronald Reagan thanking me and thanking you for allowing him to be president. Now there's the thought. I mean, so he says, in closing, let me just thank you, the American people, for giving me the great honor of allowing me to serve you as your president. When the Lord calls me home, whenever that, that may be, I will leave with the greatest love for this country and ours and the eternal optimism for its future. I now begin the journey that will lead me into the sunset of my life. I know that for America, there will always be a bright dawn ahead. Thank you, my friends. May God always bless you. Sincerely, Ronald Reagan. You know, this last week I, I read that and it just, just made me appreciate him writing me a thank you note for allowing us to, well, to him to be the president. I, I, I think, I, I love this from Dietrich Bonhoeffer who talked about, once again, appreciating people and thanking people. He says, you know, in the normal life, we hardly realize how much more we receive than we give. And the life cannot be rich without such gratitude. It is easy to overestimate the importance of our own achievements and compare with what we owe to the help of others. So, I mean, so my first part of the message today, real quick, is the idea can we take this challenge seriously? Can we maybe over the next 16 weeks, we write 16 thank you notes or we do something for another person, we single out somebody and maybe make a list of the people we should just be grateful for. Because, you know, this isn't just me. This is Paul talking about, once again, he's writing back to Philippi and thinking, thank you. I am honored. Thank you so much for allowing me to be able to be a part of the church. Thank you for allowing me to start the church. Thank you for remembering me because by golly, you're the only ones who remembered me. Thank you for your help. Wow, okay. And then I think there's another part of this lesson that we find from, from uh, Paul. And I think it has everything to do with how we look at life through the lenses of being grateful. Once again, grace, gratitude, thanksgiving, they're all intermittently woven because it goes back to the Greek. And so, so I, I love this idea about the course of life, about how do we, and this journey of life, how do we, what are we really truly grateful for? And, and so I, I found this clip this last week and now you all might know this person. His name is Stuart Sink. And Stuart Sink is a professional golfer. Matter of fact, um, back in, let's see, about 11, 12 years ago, um, he won uh, the British Open. That's a pretty big deal, right? Well, I don't know if you realize this, but Stuart Sink's mother and father live in the villages. Matter of fact, they actually have come to church here and I've met them and they're just delightful, wonderful people. And so it was interesting. Um, so uh, about 11, 12 years ago, Stuart had won the British Open and then he went through what we call in baseball, a batting slump. He didn't win for 11 years. Wow. And he kept plugging along. He just kept playing golf, he, but he, he never had, had, had won. So um, back in 2020, um, he actually won a tournament. And so he's got four holes to go. This is, and I'll show you this in a second. He's got four holes to go and he's winning the match. And I have never seen this before ever. I've watched uh, lots of golf. But he literally on the 14th of fairway, he sees his wife 
and he literally goes over and he has a conversation with her. And it's like they're having a conversation about what's for dinner tonight. I had never seen that before, right? So you're thinking you got four, two, I got four holes to go. You're supposed to be laser focused. And, you know, there's probably about a million bucks in the line. He's winning this tournament and he's having this conversation with his wife. So he goes on, he wins. After 11 years, he finally wins this tournament. And so they're interviewing him after he wins. But watch this clip. Amazing blessing. I don't know if you realize it, but his wife, Lisa, had breast cancer. And she overcame that. That's what happened in the last 11 years. So, you know, he's continued to try to persevere. And then his wife is really, really sick. And so they mentioned their son, uh, Reagan, who was on the bag. He was actually his caddy that day, which is, makes it even more pleasant. But did you hear the blessing? Do you hear their gratefulness? Once again, it has to do with kind of their, their perspective. Even going through all their adversity in life, and in life, it's, I, I call this the course of life. And so I was thinking this last week, and so here's my second question for us to think about. What is the one thing that you're most grateful for? Now, I asked you to come up with maybe a list of the people you're grateful for, but, and maybe write a thank you or do something for them. So that's our, kind of a, one of our goals today. But let me ask you something. What are you, what's the one thing that you're grateful for? And so I was really reflecting upon that question this week for me personally. And so let me tell you, here's my thing. Time. I'm just grateful for time. I wake up every morning and I say, dear God, thank you so much for giving me another day. You ever thought about that? I mean, God, thank you so much for just giving me the breath in my lungs and I can breathe another breath. And I'm just so grateful every day that it's a blessing, especially if you've gone through something that's a really traumatic thing. And I'm just, just so grateful for time. And what I, what I mean by that is, you know, and given another day, God's given us and blessed us another day, we should just be so eternally grateful. Once again, about looking at life, you can look at life through, through the lenses of being negative or you can be positive, but looking at life and being grateful and just looking at life from the perspective of being blessed by God's amazing grace and being able to look through life and live in another day to be able to glorify him, the King of Kings, I'm amen on that, that I can serve him and that I can live out my relationship, I can live out my, my salvation, I can live out and share the good news with another person, my gosh, what a great privilege. This is a wonderful thing. I mean, Wesley talks about, about sanctification, about justifying, preventing grace, justifying grace, sanctifying grace. And each day that we have this beautiful opportunity to be able to serve the Lord and love the Lord and share the good news of the Lord. This is a privilege that God's given us in every, we should never take time for granted, ever. Last night I was coming back from Orlando, um, Don and I, or I was actually honored to be able to speak, or actually gave the invocation of a, a wounded warrior um, a, a gala that I went to in Orlando. One of my friends put that on. It was just an honor to be able to, to be a part of that and, you know, remembering 9-11. So I gave the invocation. It was just a, a really nice thing. So we're driving back, and so I, Donna had called our daughter Olivia, and I didn't realize this, and she, Donna, you call it mother's intuition, Right? And she knew that something wasn't quite right. She says, oh, Olivia, what's wrong? She says, well, mom, I had a pretty bad accident. And I said, she says, well, what happened? And she says, well, we were in a head-on collision. And, um, and Marley was in the back seat. She was coming back from dinner on the Friday night. And so um, the airbags were deployed. And they, didn't, you know, they, weren't, they weren't hurt. Um, but they were just um, pretty shaken up. Um, someone went through a red light. And... Um, it just reminded me, and I hadn't written that in my sermon. I mean, I didn't know this was all going to happen, but it just reminds me that how, how life 
can be so fleeting. I mean, you can have it one minute and then it can be gone the next. So I, I think maybe one of the things that I'm most grateful for, I'm not only I'm grateful for you, I'm grateful for my wife, my children, and my grandchild, and the beautiful church, and the blessings that I have. But I'm, the one thing, if I could say a thing that I could be thankful for, it's time. And the last thing I share with you all today is, just, once again, this, you know, on a scale of one to five, how grateful are we for our relationship with Jesus Christ? I mean, if you're going to put that on a scale, I mean, are you really, truly grateful? I, I love this, um, as Paul put it, says, hey, don't be anxious for about anything, but in every situation, prayer and petition with thanksgiving, in every situation, present, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul goes on and says, rejoice always, pray, continue, give thanks in every situation, because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So I'm close with these two little thoughts. You know, um, in the Gospel of Luke, the 17th chapter, there's this great story where, where Jesus is going along and, and he, he comes upon these 10 lepers, right? And so, um, and, and so they're out of the 10, only one comes back and says, thank you. And he was a foreigner. Matter of fact, the hero of the story is a Samaritan. He's a foreigner. The other nine go on their own way. We don't know what happened to them. They, but, that, but Jesus makes it real clear. He says, hey, there's nobody that's come back except this one who's a foreigner to thank me. And then Jesus goes on. He don't miss the tagline. He goes on and says, listen, um, go your own way. And he says, for your faith has healed you. And if you go back and look at the original meaning of the word healed there, it has everything to do with about being saved and it has everything to do with making you whole. So what Jesus is saying, it has everything to do with being grateful. So the one who comes back and thanks Jesus in the midst of all this, he says thankfulness is connected to wholeness and who we are as a human being. So Jesus says, Make sure you're appreciative of what you got and the salvation that I present because it heals you and makes you whole. Now that's the point of the story and don't miss the detail. Here's the last little thought. In the fourth chapter, the very last closing, if you go back and read this for yourself, we look at Philipp, the, the fourth chapter of Philippians. Paul says this, and I think it's very interesting. He makes a note that he is in, in the midst of the imperial guard. In other words, and he makes a note that even some of those who are a part of Caesar's uh, entourage are becoming Christians. He sends back to Philippi, says, he ultimately says, hey, listen, some of Caesar's household is finally getting it. Yes. And I love William Barclay's take on this. He says, you know what? Already the first signs of the ultimate triumph of Christ were to be seen. The crucified Galilean carpenter had already begun to rule those who rule the greatest empire in the world. Do you or will you allow him to rule your heart and your life forever? Lord Jesus, we're grateful for your love and your amazing grace, for your triumph victory that we find through your crucifixion and through your resurrection. 
And Lord, uh, we have talked about a challenge today about just being grateful for the people in our lives, how we look at life and the course of life, but most importantly, how grateful we are for you, for you give us grace and you give us mercy and you give us hope and you give us everlasting life. And that is what we're banking on. So thank you, Lord, for your continued blessings upon our lives as we continue to be rich. And Lord, help us never to be ungrateful for that precious gift. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus Christ, we pray and all God's children said, amen.